I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, everyone. I'm Jordana Horn, and I'm here with my new friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hello again. Hi again. Okay, so Adam and I have been chatting, and we're talking about Russian Doll today, both seasons one and two. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that we both feel remarkably ill-equipped to go into the the emotional complexity, the kaleidoscopic, free-range, psychedelic, and I can't use the word crazy, but, you know, if, I, if I'm being loyal to Nadia, the protagonist, right, there's a real aversion to the word crazy. But I have to say, Adam, this knocked my socks off. Russian Doll, which I had not seen from the beginning, so I binged all the way through. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I just got off a merry-go-round. Absolutely. I, I love that description with kaleidoscopic, psychedelic. I mean, it was a show, you know, I don't say this about a lot of shows, but it made me wish I was some sort of philosophy major in college, you know, like uh, some sort of English slash philosophy with, you know, like I just was blown away by trying to follow it make sense of it. It takes the concept of time and generations and generational trauma, and it just, you know, like throws it all up in the air like confetti and lets it come down. Yes. I mean, it, it, blow, it really was, was a, a wild ride. It really a wild ride. So we're going to be talking about so much today. I would say, let me let me give the little synopsis Please. first. And as always, there will be spoilers. We're talking about both season one and two of Russian Doll, but let's start with season one. Seems to make more sense. Sure. So season one, Nadia, our protagonist, it's her 36th birthday. Mm. It's her 36th birthday again and again and again, right. because as she she is at a party being thrown for her by two close friends and the events devolve in such a way that she is hit by a car mm-hmm. and we are led to believe killed. Mm-hmm. But then she stands up and she's back in the same bathroom of the party where she started. She seems to be, it's very unclear, deliberately so, whether she is 
in a time traveling time loop, Mm -hmm. whether she's had a psychotic break Mm -hmm. and is hallucinating, whether I don't even know what the other options would be, but it's very profoundly disorienting, not Mm -hmm. only obviously for her, but also for us as the viewer, as we try to put together what's going on. There's another protagonist, I would say equally valuable to discuss in many ways, Alan, Mm -hmm. who is also going through this loop kind of thing where he keeps on keeping on in the same day. He actually, he actually killed himself and that was what triggered his looping, for lack of a better word. Right. So these two, if I can just jump in for a quick yeah, step, yeah, these, two, these two characters, we find out sort of midway through the season, I guess, are sort of bonded by the fact that they both keep dying and being resurrected in the same moment in time that they remember, right? Uh, that, you know, it's, it's a, and it's almost like a question of, is it the same timeline or are they just being resurrected in a different timeline where things can change, right, and be different? Uh, I think that society has come a long way in the last 10, 20 years of like this idea that no one knows uh, about this concept of multiple timelines. So all of a sudden it's in almost every movie, you know, it's in every Marvel movie. It's in every, every, you know, every, a five-year-old can explain the multiverse to you now. And so uh, these two characters are, are sort of exploring that together, I think. Right. And I would say that that togetherness is an implicit theme because Mm -hmm. Really, I think that the show makes the implicit assertion of who are we? We are not only who we are in and of ourselves, but we are the summation of the connections and the attempts to connect that we've made throughout our lives. And so I think that this theme of connection and of Mm self-acceptance are the pervasive ones of season one. And in season one, what happens is that we really get to see how Nadia's mother, Lenore, I'm going to let you talk about about Lenore, about Nora. And can you talk a little bit about who she is as a person and how that person doesn't really fit into the the mother role? Yeah, so... I think now I as I as I also binged basically both seasons straight through, and so yeah. So I, I think that it's okay to have a little overlap with right, season two, right? Because yeah. we we get to know Nadia's mother really well in a different way in the second season for sure. Yeah. But I think a lot of this starts uh, coming in, in in season one, where she's a woman who is very psychologically disturbed. She probably she has she has what in the in the um, field we would refer to as serious mental illness. It's unclear, you know, is she, does she uh, suffer from schizophrenia? Does she suffer from a severe bipolar disorder, personality disorder? All of these things are up in the air, obviously. But what's made very clear is that she makes a lot of bad choices, but she's also uh, sort of chased by demons, uh, psychological demons. She's not really fit to raise her child. And so the system around her, this is in the, I guess, early 80s. Is it in the early 80s? Now I'm mixing things up. Time blends together. (laughs) Um, But, but, uh, you know, the system around her sort of comes together to support her and her daughter and eventually sort of take her daughter away from her. 
And the daughter grows up to be this very intelligent, but also psychologically, I don't want to say damaged, that's not the right word, but psychologically complex individual in in Nadia, who's played, of course, by Natasha Lyonne. And so what happens over the course of all of these unfolding timelines is that Nadia has what seems to me the very fortunate product of a very good family and childhood as what seems to me to be a natural gravitation toward the alternate mother figure in her life, Ruth. Right. Can you talk a little bit about Ruth and about um, what that means to move your affection from your natural mother to find a different mother? Right, right. And so, you know, Nadia is a character who is lacking the maternal... um, We we see in flashback scenes, even in season one, that her relationship with with, uh, her, her biological mother is so fractured because of the severity of the mental illness. She... You know, there's a scene where where Nadia's a little girl, and she's the mother. Sort of is, is is filling the car with watermelons and tells the little girl Nadia to go back in and and tell the clerk in the store that he shouldn't have said that to her. You know, it was it was this very to me exploitive kind of interaction. So you can tell how damaged that relationship is, and so she gravitates, as many do, to a motherly figure. In this case, it's it's the uh, biological mother's sort of therapist in training who is in it from decades ago all the way to the present day. And in season two, that relationship to some extent flips, I I would say, because Nadia becomes what we would think of as more of a caretaker to an aging Ruth, the aging therapist who's now sort of showing up back at the hospital after several, you know, several accidents and health mishaps. And if if season one is as you characterized it, which I agree with, season two might be a little bit flipped where it's it's sort of a lesson about grief in some way it's a lesson about aging it's a lesson about taking care of the people who have taken care of you and how do you do that right how the past shapes who you are mm-hmm. and both Nadia and Alan in their efforts to comprehend the past are very torn about how to handle it and how to change it. If ch- And this is where things in second season, honestly, I feel like I'm up to my eyeballs in, in just this overwhelming flood of, of resonant intellectual complexity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, so in season two, I would say the moment of the the most mind blowing moment is when Nadia, who in season two is transported not only into the past, but into the body of her mother. Right. Um, When we say it, when we say these plot lines using language, it it only accentuates how wild the premise of this show is, right? It's like in season one, they were living the same day over and over again. In season two, not only are they time traveling, by way of the six train, by the way, but they're wait, they're sort of like as one does. To, as one does, they're coming to in the body of someone else of of their mother or grandmother or whatever it might be. It's it's a really trippy kind of effect that's happening, culminating. I would say where Nadia has her mother 
gives birth to herself on the subway platform, which blew my mind in every possible way. And, and then, a, yeah, go ahead, please. And then, and then that she decides, you know, this kid, meaning herself, mm-hmm. has suffered for lack of a real stable maternal figure. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I will kidnap myself. Mm-hmm out of the eighties and I will take myself to the present to raise myself. Right. And that, that sends the entire universe into a spiral of surreal. Right. Space time collapsing in on itself. Craziness. Yeah. That's, that's this, that scene where in the building they're at the party, but then also there's the old school, the school for uh, Jewish youth and from the decades earlier, all mixed mingled together. Uh, that scene was just so mind blowing, but it, it's, it's really like if, if season one, you know, the way that they finally sort of break the loop is to save each other in some way, or, you know, sort of change the actions that they took. The, one of the sort of morals of season two is not only are we the generational combinations and relationships that we have, not only are we the products of what came before us, but we can't change who we are in in some ways, right? So they each, both characters, Alan and, and Nadia, are going back and trying to change things. And to tragic comic sort of circumstance, find out that they're unable to make those changes, that that no matter what they do, they sort of end up in the same sad, poignant, true to life sort of circumstances. Right. And, you know, I keep coming back to this idea of how as they go through time and as they go through this world, both in season one and season two, this utterly incomprehensible set of circumstances that has befallen each of them, that the only tether that they have to anything is to each other. That's the only, and and that the only tether that they have is to these people from their past. Mm-hmm. And so I think that to me, it conveyed the tremendous responsibility inherent in being I mean, you're a parent in being a parent, mm-hmm. right? And and in how we, I, I intensely dislike parenting as a verb in how we are parents to our children, mm-hmm. but also in how we connect with other people, our friendships mm-hmm. are, you know, and, and how we, how family can stretch the boundaries of biology mm-hmm. and how we can make our own family. You know, which I thought were all beautiful messages, but I think that to me, the pervasive emotion throughout both seasons are here you have this extremely smart, self-confident protagonist. I'm going to focus on Nadia because I want to get to Alan in a second, but Nadia is radically capable. Mm -hmm. She, the one time we see her at work, Mm -hmm. you know, she's the person who takes the computer, gives two quick strokes and immediately has solved problems that other people don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. So she's very capable, both professionally and intellectually. And yet she is struggling so much in every episode of what's happening. So I I would say that she is floundering. She's so lost 
And she's, you know, she's grasping at straws like, hey, there's the there's the the guy on the street that I saw the other day. Hey, Mm -hmm. where's my cat? Mm -hmm. Like all of these things. How different is that from the human condition of all of us, regardless of our state of mental health? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's an interesting question because she, right, she, Nadia is not sort of classically mentally ill in any clear way, but but her circumstances are so complicated that she almost represents everyone's struggle in this chaotic world. You know, she references at some point in season two, this concept of entropy, man. It's just, you know, it's something that's been done. That's been, it can't be undone. Uh, It's the nature of the universe. It's just chaos. But then in this, in this time loop thing, like that chicken that's burning is also raw. You know, it's like all happening at the same time. The, the man, that's called horse. Is it called horse? Is that his? Yes, is that yeah? Horse. The he, he's a homeless gentleman, and he is very strange and interesting in all these different ways. And it's like, well, where's that going to lead? Oh no, it's just more chaos. You know, it's just uh, no matter how we interact with that individual, it leads to chaos for this character. So I do think that's one of the things that one of the things that's appealing to me as a viewer of the show is that it is representing the entropy of the of the, of our world in a way that you very seldom get to see the the risk of it all the chaos the nature of you know you never quite know what's going to happen when you start your day i think that's beautifully captured in in a way and and we see it through this character that again we identify with as as she's really smart she's clever she's funny as 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 you know as anyone and yet it's all sort of collapsing and swirling around her so from a psychological standpoint, how how would you counsel people who find the randomness and chaos and entropy too overwhelming? Oh, that's that's an interesting framing. So if someone if I were seeing a patient and that person described feeling overwhelmed, essentially. You could wonder with that person, is it a form of anxiety? Are they feeling, you know, are they ruminating about, you know, the chaos around them? Are they worried? Is it coming out in the form of worry? Like, uh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Are they feeling it physically? Are they experiencing panic attacks around that feeling of being overwhelmed? All those things I could address, like I would any sort of anxiety, right? But 
it might lead to a feeling of, you know, when I'm watching the show, I'm also almost experiencing with Nadia a sense of existential crisis. What does it all mean? Why are we doing this? What is this world around us? And that's a different kind of approach, right? Then it's less about anxiety and more about finding meaning in a very chaotic, potentially meaningless existence. Uh, that That's a different, more intensive therapy kind of uh, uh, solution, I would say. And tinged with depression. I yeah. mean, you know, I think that as a, as a non, <laughs> as a non-professional, I guess that's when I throw them my battered copy of Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning. Yep. And, you know, just, uh, it's like, it's like a better what to expect when you're expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. You know, one thing I want to just bring up is that when they introduced Alan, there's a moment uh, where I'm like, oh, now we got to deal with this guy. We got to figure this guy out. What's his deal? <laughs> That's how I felt too. <laughs> yeah, but they, but but he earns it. You know, the character, the actor, the, the everything. They they actually they bring you on board. Where ne- where by season two, it's like, oh, there's Alan. Great. Um, right. But, lose the mustache, but yes. Yeah, the two of them, Nadia and Alan, I I think represent opposite. Ends, you know, opposite poles, right? Opposite. They're on the same spectrum. They both are bonded through this experience. But the the chaos that is Nadia is the order of Alan, right? His apartment is everything yeah. is just so. His appearance, his posture, everything is just so. And I like that they did that. They sort of juxtaposed these two personality sort of archetypes. And both, you know, Nadia is more entertaining, but I think one you know, can't exist without the other, that, that, uh, between them exists everyone in the, in the world, you know? So yes. I, I did, I, by the end, I definitely liked the Alan character and what he sort of represents. Yes, I agree. And I also felt the same way when he came in, <laughs> like, like, no, 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 I, I don't know what you're doing here. No. I don't want this. And then, yeah, I wanted more and more Alan, even though I found that, what'd you think of Alan in season two? Yeah, season two, Alan. So he's going back through that six train and he's showing up as, was it his mother or his grandmother? That's a student in Berlin, Uh you know, with the, in East Berlin, trying to smuggle people to West Berlin. And, you know, that he was in, he was connecting in that moment of time, uh, in a way that was very, he liked it, you know, he found it fulfilling. Whereas Nadia is trying to sort of like right wrongs. He's trying to, you know, have this sort of budding romance with this gentleman back then through the body of his grandmother. It's all very bizarre as, as much of the show is, but in a way that was sort of nice. And then it all goes to, you know, not, not such a great place and doesn't work out and he can't really change things and, and it becomes a more sort of depressing thing. So together at the end, I feel like they, again, they land, they start from very opposite poles, but Nadia and Alan both in the end sort of land in this place of acceptance, right? Accepting the good things, accepting the things you can't change. And for that, I think the character really earns his place again. It's an interesting, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't, the, the the creative people behind the show are all really like renowned, talented individuals, but I never in my life could have sort of dreamt up this show and even like like tried to 
sell it, you know, to a producer or, you know, like how would you even pitch it? You know, it's, it's just so wild. It is, it is wild and crazy. And, and (laughs) just as I was watching it, I loved it. And as I was watching it, my husband kept coming in at irregular intervals and he'd say, what's happening now? And mm-hmm. I'd say, I, I can't, I just mm-hmm. can't. Like you're either on this train or you're not. Right. So, you know, you're on the six train, well, you know, I don't know, who are we? Like Jennifer Lopez, like <laughs> you're on the six or you're not on the six. So he, I think he thought that I was being rude, but uh, I said, no, I, I genuinely cannot explain to you what, yeah. what is happening now. And you walking in now is, uh, borderline absurd. Uh So, um, so yeah, he, so, you know, our relationship is doing fine. Thanks. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I wanted to ask you if Nadia came to you for treatment, Mm -hmm. if Alan came to you for treatment, I kind of want to ask who's easier Mm. to treat, Mm -hmm. but how you, how you would talk to each one of them if they were on your proverbial couch. Right. So for, for Nadia, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think one would be like any easier I, because both are very much set in their ways and a cert, have a certain degree of rigidity about how they approach the world, I would say. So for Nadia, you know, you, I think a lot of Nadia, let's say at the end of season two, you know, like things are sort of in a place of acceptance about time and space and their lives and their history. And, you know, that she's never going to get those gold coins back and, you know, whatever it might be. At the end of all of that, you want, as a, as a therapist, you would want to help Nadia get to a place where she's making decisions that she want that again, that aligns with her values, whatever they may be, that she's choosing things that are, that are good, that, that will lead her to a better future, right? She can't change the past, but she can change her own future, right? For Alan, it's the same thing, but in, for Alan, you know, he's so so rigid about doing the right thing and being proper and sort of, for him, it's more a process of maybe loosening him up to the possibilities, right? And, you know, he got a glimpse of that in Berlin, you know, in the, in the the during the Cold War when he was sort of rebelling through the body of his grandmother, but he can now do that in his own life. He doesn't have to always do the buttoned up uh, shirt and sweater and thing. He can loosen up a little bit. And perhaps the two of them can not necessarily meet in the middle, but certainly get closer together in that sort of a place where you don't have to be total chaos and you don't have to be total uh, stasis. It can be somewhere in between. So I think that's how it would work. And I just want to make one final point. This is a a one-time only suggestion during this show is I would actually suggest that Ruth actually gets into some, some in, in, in the world of therapy, we call it supervision. When a therapist sort of discusses their cases with another therapist and Mm. I wouldn't want to be her supervisor because it would be a real, you know, challenge, but I would say that, uh, she needs some supervision because this is a really wild dynamic that she's developed with the whole Nadia and her mother situation. So those are the three. It it seems not kosher. It seems too close. It actually did. That it struck me. I didn't really want to. I don't want to. Like I always hate sort of punching down on shows that are trying to be creative about therapy because I'm like, oh, it's good that they're actually at least even talking about therapy. But 
yeah, the the board, the the uh, the boundaries are not there, right? This young Ruth, the way she takes on this case while she's in training, the way that she becomes a mother figure to the patient's daughter, totally inappropriate in the real world, you know. But in a show like this, it's like the least of our concerns, you know. It's like so out right, there, right? Right. But uh, but as a footnote, professional ethics wise, <laughs> yeah, that does not, not so work. I mean, yeah. that's right up there with like. Oh, how did you meet your husband? Oh, he was my therapist. Yeah, I mean, like, the most egregious, know? terrible things he can do. Yeah, are, are stepping into those roles that you're not supposed to. So, uh, right, but I think that's very much in keeping with the show itself. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that is people stepping in and out, be, the boundaries being utterly disre- disregarded, like including right. calendrical and right. <laughs> hourly boundaries. Right. So, yeah, great show. Great show. I wonder, this this will be my last thought and, and then we can, you know, see what you have to say about it. But like they've done, you know, infinite time loop on the same day. They've time traveled. I can't even imagine if they had a season three, like what they would do, how they could. I mean, I, I literally can't imagine it, uh, but I would watch it. If they ever came out with the season, <laughs> yeah. I'd be ready. Yes, I, I'm right there with you. And, you know, I... I don't think that I'm naturally inclined to watch Natasha Leone in a jet backpack and a space helmet, but I'll watch. That's what I was, as I was saying, I can't imagine it. My brain just kept going to like, well, she's in another civilization somewhere, like in an alien planet or, you know, like something. like the Jetsons. What's left? Yeah, right. The Jetsons. Maybe it's like 3,000 years in the future. Maybe it's the Stone Age. You know, I don't know. Something Natasha Leone can pull it off, I think. She really can. I love her so much. And there are moments in my day where where now I find, like, I wish I had a little bit of Natasha Leone to to break off and, and channel into this moment. Both of these, but both, both Natasha Leone and uh, Charlie Barnett, Alan, I feel like they both have these qualities. It's like, oh, if only I could have posture like Alan, that would be great. If I could leave the mustache behind, but you know, like just the <laughs> yes. posture. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. It's so much fun talking about this with you, Adam, as always. As always. Thank you, Jordana. Next time. Thanks for listening. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.